Are you ready to take your real estate investing business to the next level? Well, you're in the right place. This is the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. With your mentors, Wayne and Gabby. Good morning. Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Today is Monday, December 5th, 2022. The weather today in Saskatoon is going to be negative 20 degrees. The weather in Toronto is going to be 6 degrees today. Calgary's got negative 9 and Edmonton's got negative 15. So it looks like Saskatoon is the worst today. Uh, we're broadcasting live as we do every morning, Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. Mountain Time on the Podbean app. Go download the Podbean app, listen to the show live. There is a chat box where you can say hello like everybody else is this morning and ask any questions you want about real estate. Plus, you can click the call-in button. There's a call-in button as well. Click that button, call in, ask any questions you want for free, free coaching every morning. And we are going to really, really, really take advantage of that today. Um, I know we we say this every morning, but because we don't come prepared with anything to talk about. But uh, today more so, because uh, as you can tell, I am running this show solo this morning. Um, Gabby is away visiting family, and she'll be back later on today. So she'll be back for tomorrow's show. But for today, <clears throat> uh, it's just me and... Um, it's, it's difficult to have a one-sided conversation for 60 minutes long. Um, the one thing I always forget about this when I have to do this by myself is that I have no time to sip my coffee. Because if I leave any radio silence, it sounds like this. Which is just extremely depressing. <laughs> so feel free to call in today. But if you do call in... <clears throat> please remember to wear headphones, okay? And um, make sure you get a good internet connection. Um, let's uh, let's see who's joining in with us today. We have got Eric joining in. Good morning, Eric. Kirsten, John, Elray's here, Glenn's here, Josh is here, Winger. Uh, Ryan's here, Kyle's here, Don's here, Leo's here, Ken's here. Lots of people coming in this morning. Good morning, Nathan. Good morning, Cody. What else we got? Garrett's here. Chris is here. Thank you guys so much for joining in live. Um, upcoming events. I just um, I just saw this morning that uh, Josh Keen, one of our real estate investing masters mentees, is going to be hosting um, a meetup at his newest fix and flip project. Um, so you can grab your tickets on Eventbrite, go to the Real Estate Investing Masters free Facebook group, and uh, and register. For, I believe it's a free networking event in Auburn Bay in Calgary. I'm just pulling it up right now. Unless, of course, he's trying to make a quick couple bucks and he's charging for it. But I'm pretty sure, yeah, it's free. It's free. It's a free networking event. That is on Sunday, December 11th. So that's this Sunday, December 11th, 2 o'clock to 4 o'clock. Go to the free Real Estate Investing Masters Facebook group and uh, you'll find the event bright link there to register. 
Um, also on December 10th, which is the day before that on Saturday, we are holding our building your roadmap workshop. Now, that is exclusive to the REI Masters uh, mentorship program. So if that's something you're interested in, this might be the time to join the REI Masters mentorship program. It is a one year membership, tons and tons and tons of stuff. If you're interested in it, there's lots, all the details are on reimasters.ca. Um, but yes, that's, we do monthly workshops. Some of them are open to the public. Some of them aren't. This is one of those ones that's not, um, just because it's a little bit more important and we want to keep it, um, want to keep the group smaller to make sure that uh, everybody gets the most value out of it. So, um, that's this Saturday, December 10th at, uh, 10 AM to 5 PM online. Uh, and to join REI Masters, just go to reimasters.ca. I believe that's it for upcoming events other than Christmas. Um, husbands, uh, this is typically the week you realize that you haven't got your wife a Christmas present. It's either this week or next week. Uh, and I know that Gabby's not listening, so this is me relating with you frantically last night trying to figure out what to get her for Christmas. Um, <laughs> Glenn says, yep, just hit me now. <laughs> and Kyle ordered last night. <laughs> it's, it's, I, it, it's, uh, it's, it, it's clearly a thing. <laughs> Cody uh, says, I ordered them. The question is, when will they, will, or will they arrive in time? Uh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, that's, that's what I was noticing last night, too. I had a couple ideas, and um, I went to go order, and it's, like, not going to be available in time. I'm like, okay. So I start looking at Kijiji, seeing if I can find something to use, and I'm going to have to go to a few different stores today while I'm in the city and uh, see if I can find something while Gabby's away. <clears throat> and then find a place to hide it. Um, yeah, but, uh, it's hard. It's hard when you're an adult. I don't, you know, I think it's hard when you're an adult, um, for any adult these days, um, with the accessibility of credit, you know what I mean? I mean, this isn't anything new in the last couple of decades, but I'd say in the last 20, 30 years, the, the ability to tap, the ability to everybody having access to credit and just, you know what I mean? Not holding cash anymore. It's very easy. And ordering online for, for, for frick's sakes. You know what I mean? Like if you need anything, you just go on Amazon and it's there within a day. You know what I mean? That accessibility is just, um, it's crazy. It, it's no longer a money and a credit thing. It used to be a money and a credit thing where we were just so, we would get anything that we'd ever, you know, anything we ever needed. But now it's like anything we ever needed and we don't need to go to Walmart. Just go on our phone, click it, and it's there. And someone knocks on the door within 24 hours. It's crazy. So <clears throat> it's uh, it's definitely hard to, to shop for loved ones these days. <laughs> because if they wanted it, they would get it. Right? Cody says, I tried ordering from Amazon for myself and it wouldn't get here before Christmas. Kathleen says, we only do stockings on Christmas and our big purchases throughout the year is a regular gift. Of course, I'm, I'm Kathleen, I'm kind of on the same page with you. I, I'm, 
I'm I'm thinking the same thing. But if Dad says it, he's a he's a Grinch. <laughs> I, I I I buy my family things all the time throughout the year. Hey, whatever you need, whatever you want. For the most part, whatever you need. Sorry, whatever you need, and a little bit of whatever you want, um, within reason. And uh, I don't know. I th- I feel like Christmas has kind of lost its its um, its spark because of that, because of just how everything is just so easy. Um, I mean, if you if your kid wanted a toy and it's twenty bucks, do you do you wait until? I don't know. It's just it's hard to. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just me. Hard to say. I don't know who's going to control the dogs today, though. This is going to be tough. Um, Glenn's is very true. I feel my wife had everything, but we usually do a group. Um, a group buy like a trip for the family. Oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah, I. Um, you know what I did? I. Um, I bought. Um, I bought my family a dog for Christmas uh, about a month ago, and uh, now now they're barking like crazy right now, uh, and they still want more gifts. Uh, what else we got going on here? Okay, cool. Take a quick little commercial break, and we'll be right back. And I'm going to get into some questions. Um, I posted on the facebook group there yesterday asking um for some questions i'm going to get to those questions in just a minute here some of you might have heard us talking about dci properties and how much we like their process and deal flow as one of the premier wholesaling companies in canada but one of the things most people don't know about dci properties is that they don't cherry pick deals for themselves everything they get under contract they offer out to their buyers list that's right no sloppy seconds from no sloppy seconds So if you're an investor looking for their next flip project or cash-flowing rental property, get on their buyers list today and check out their inventory. To get on the list for Alberta deals, visit www.dciproperties.ca slash Alberta buyers, or for Ontario deals, go to www.dciproperties.ca slash buyers. And we are back. No, Ken, the barking is not great. Okay, let's get to these questions. Uh, Renee asks, I can't call in, but I do have a question. What advice can you give someone on how to approach a private lender or present them an offer? How do we find private lenders? How do we get approved? Um, do we get approved? Do we get pre-approved? Like, oh, one second. This is going to be a difficult show. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to restart from the beginning. 
I can't call in, but uh, what advice can you give someone on how to approach a private lender or present to them an offer? How do we find private lenders? Do we get pre-approved first, like with the banks? Thank you. Okay. There's going to be a lot of long pauses today. Um, so I'll start off with finding private lenders. Uh, that's, it's, it's, it's simple when, when I, when I put it into words, but obviously I understand it's a lot more difficult than that. Uh, networking. Networking is, is, is the answer. Um, there are lots and lots of private lenders within our real estate investing community. Excuse me. Um, all you got to do is just really just go out to these networking events, like like the one this Sunday in in Auburn Bay in Calgary. Just tell people what it is that you're looking for, right? So when you when you go out and you network and you go to these events. Um, I think that you should have an intention, an outcome in mind, right? When someone asks you who you are, I think you should kind of weave it into your introduction or your conversation about what it is that you're doing and what it is that you're looking for. Because if you can do that, the person that you're talking to might actually have that money. And if they don't have that money, uh, they might know someone who does. And a lot of times when I meet new people, I kind of, I kind of, uh, I don't know if instigate's the right word, but I kind of like help people <laughs> by asking it for them. Right. So like, when I'm, when I'm meeting someone, I'll ask them, you know, a little bit about themselves and I'll ask them what it is they're working on. And I'll, I'll kind of, Without saying it, like, well, what do you need? I'll kind of like reword it in a different way that kind of gets them talking. Because nine times out of 10, there's someone in that room that I can connect with them, them with who can help them get to that next level or get help them, you know, solve that problem. So if you can find a way to weave that into your introduction when you're at networking events or even just communicating with people in general outside of, you know, the real estate investing networks. It's a little more difficult with when you're with public, like uh, the public, I mean like the, your friends and family and stuff like that, because obviously they they need a little more information and a little more education, uh, more, more than someone who has experience or education. Right. But if you can kind of weave that into your conversation and just tell people what it is that you want, you never know. Right. You never know if they if they have some money that they want to, you know, invest as a private lender. Uh, they might know someone, um, you know, sometimes that person could be in the room. And it's just the one person you didn't talk to. So it's it, my number one tip for finding them is, is just asking people or just telling people what it is you're looking for. And when you put it out there, it's crazy what comes back. And that's how I found all of my private lenders. Um, there are some institutions, uh, like Calvert you can reach out to like larger, um, organized institutions. But if you're just looking for someone 
who's got half a million or a million in the bank and they or RSPs that they just want to rent uh, not rent uh, lend out, then um, I, I honestly just just networking, lots of networking. Um, <clears throat> what advice can you give someone on how to approach a private lender or present to them an offer? Um, so if you're approaching them, if you know who they are and you want to um, show them a deal and then just, it's, it's pretty plain and simple. I mean, just make sure you have all your numbers um, put together. I don't want to go too far down on, on this rabbit hole, but I do see this too often that um, in some of the uh, beginner Facebook groups or some of the more open public Facebook groups that, you know, guys that have more than 5,000 members, those are the ones that like, there's no rules on those Facebook groups and just they let anybody in with a pulse and it's a lot of spam bots and that kind of stuff. A lot, it's, it's, it's like, it's like a fishing group. You know what I mean? It's, um, people go in there to like fish prospects out for their coaching programs. <clears throat> it's not well organized. It's not, uh, moderated, but I'm, I preface with that because, uh, in some of those groups, you have probably some of the greenest, um, real estate investors, um, they join that group because there's the most people in it. And some of the stuff I see in some of those posts about private lending, uh, people will go to, you know, their mortgage broker or their bank and their bank says, Hey, you can't get any more mortgages for rental properties. And then these, these green investors go to some free webinar or seminar that says, Oh, you can OPM private money, private lenders, and you can buy houses with private lenders or go to private lenders and you can buy houses and do burrs and get all your money out. And when, when you get that information at, at like a surface level and without proper education or information, uh, what ends up happening is these new investors think that, oh, it's okay. I can just <laughs> find someone with money who's going to give me a mortgage at a reasonable interest rate that I can buy rental properties with. Which is just simply just dumb. You know what I mean? Um, you got to run the numbers. And more often than not, no one's going to land at a low enough interest rate like that where it's going to make sense that your deals are going to cash flow. Right? Um, I, I would, I like making this point like a year ago when interest rates were down at like 3%. But when they're at 6% right now, it's just even, it's kind of hard to, but say for example, um, when interest rates were 3%, you know, people will be charging 8, 10, 12, 15% for private money, for private mortgages. Like it's just, it, it doesn't cash flow. And, and now we definitely know that because um, people are getting conventional mortgages right now in the 6% range. And there's, they're like, oh, there's no cash flow anywhere. Well, it's just because the interest rates are too high and the rents haven't caught up. <clears throat> so I just wanted to, I, I, I don't know this person all that well, and, and I, I want to make sure that anyone else listening to this, they really understand that when we're talking about going to a private lender, we're talking about short-term financing, okay? That's what private lenders should be used for, short-term financing, meaning three to 12 months tops, because there's no other reason why paying a high interest rate would make any sense on any real estate deals. The whole purpose of it is to get in and out and pay the least amount of interest because uh, 
your your property definitely if you're renting it's definitely not cash flowing it's negative cash flow and probably negative profit altogether um but if you can you know get a mortgage and borrow at 12%, 15%, go in there, renovate it really quickly, increase the value and sell it. See, that makes sense, right? If you can get in there, renovate it, increase the value, refinance it. And what refinance means is, is pay off the old high interest mortgage and re- refinance it with a new lower interest mortgage and then hold it as a rental property. See, that makes sense. It makes sense to pay high interest for a short term until you've increased the value and you want to reappraise it and refinance it at the higher value with the lower interest rate. Um, <clears throat> so when you are, I had to get all that in there because I, I, I don't want to just be another person who just gives a surface level answer. And then someone takes that information and thinks that they could buy rental properties at 15% interest. Um, I say that because a lot of people do it. Honestly, I've seen so many people do that. And especially in the the rising markets for the last few years. In the rising markets where someone's like, I got an amazing deal. I have to buy it right now because I got it at a a sweet deal. And it's so hard to buy a house these days because there's like 30 multiple offers and they're all over asking. So people think that going and doing private financing, private lenders is the right idea to kind of because they can't get a mortgage and they found a really amazing deal. But you know, then when they go to refinance it, they can't or the values go down. It's just, there's so many people that have been screwed based off of, you know, just that misinformation and ignorance. So I, I just want to, I want to make sure that I'm not, um, I'm not supporting that problem. Um, so what advice would, can you give someone on how to approach a private lender and present them an offer? I would say um, have all your information ready, right? So you've already done your due diligence on this property. You've established, you know, what you're offering. You've established, you know, what the renovation costs are going to be. You establish what the after repaired value is going to be. You uh, you have reference um, materials. You have comparables to prove that it's going to be worth a certain price at the end of it. Um, you've estimated your profit, or you've estimated, you know, how much of your money you're going to get out on your burr. Have all that information nicely documented, and then just present it to the private lender. The private lender is just going to look at it and say, like, is this a good deal? Is this a low risk good deal? right? What is the likelihood of success on this deal? Um, next, what they're going to do, your, your follow-up question actually was, do we get pre-approved first, like with the banks? Um, if you're just dealing with a single individual, um, not a large, you know, institution, um, that's built off of relationships. So they're going to want to get to know you a little bit first. They're going to want to do a little, not a background check on you, but they're probably going to ask around, right? Who is this person? How long have they been in this game? You know, have have you done deals before? That type of stuff. Um, so anything that you can you can show them your you know for your experience, rather than just saying I'm a real estate investor or I'm a fix and flipper, um, and just changing your profile picture and your information below it, it's not it's not enough. Like they're gonna want to they they want to know that you know what you're doing, even if the deal is good, because they they mostly look at the deal. 
They want to know that are you competent enough in order to succeed with this deal, to follow through with it. So um, your brand, your reputation is very, very important uh, when you're approaching private lenders. Um, If you're going through a broker, like a mortgage broker, sometimes mortgage brokers have access to private lenders. So um, investor-focused, creative, whatever you want to call them, mortgage brokers, uh, oftentimes they have like a little Rolodex of private lenders. And if you have a good relationship with your mortgage broker, your mortgage broker may um, broker a deal or at least connect you with a private lender for a fee. And with that, you know, your mortgage broker will speak on your behalf, which is good too. Um, it's, I find it's a little bit easier to have someone speaking of your reputation and your brand for you rather than you doing it for yourself. It just, it sounds, it, it sounds more cocky than confident. Let's just put it that way. But all these amazing, great things you've done. So if you can have someone else speak for you, I, I think it, I think it goes farther. Um, but ultimately, you know, you want to have a good reputation as an expert. You want to have a track record if possible. And lastly, you want to have all your ducks in a row and all your, your numbers um, figured out and, and supporting material to prove it. Um, that's the best way to approach private lender. Um, unless you're going with a larger institution like, say, Calvert. There's a couple others, but I only say Calvert because they're the only ones that I've actually um, uh, vetted. Um, there's a few other bigger institutions, but half of them don't even answer my phone calls. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to say their name and then people call them and get bad treatment. So, um, but if you ask around, there are a few other institutions as well. Uh, they, they do typically have higher interest rates. Um, there's pros and cons to going to, you know, like singular, uh, private lenders as opposed to a larger institution. Larger institutions have more money and they're more, organized. So, you know, it's a lot faster and they, they do it often. Um, a single private lender who's got some cash in the bank, um, will have looser rules, more emotion. You know what I mean? They're more involved. However, they don't have the resources or the as much experience. So it's depends on what you're going for. Um, there was a follow-up question to this one, uh, and I can't seem to find it. Shoot. There it is there. Oh, Glenn's calling in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Glenn's call. And uh, guys, uh, there's, there's a bunch of new messages. Unfortunately, it's very hard to read messages when you're running the show by yourself. Good morning. Good morning. How you doing, buddy? Not too bad. Not too bad. I I see you running the show amazing this morning by yourself. <laughs> Thank you. I'm <laughs> I haven't taken much uh, coffee, and uh, when you talk this much, um, you kind of run out of breath. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like it's like just trying to like gasp in between. I'm like, <gasps> let's let's not do that moment of silence thing again. <laughs> I felt like there was someone else in the room, but I didn't see them. <laughs> it was me. <laughs> but um, 
<clears throat> yeah, so I, was, I figured this is a good time to uh, explain why we're in Edmonton mm. in our journey. Let's hear so, it. So basically, me and my wife, we when we first got together, we had we, we finished our university. We became nurses, like most people know, and we couldn't buy a house in Ontario. So we were living with my parents. We were living with her parents. And we were saving up and we basically working professional jobs, saving and trying to get our student line of credit down. We couldn't still put down the down payment. So we had to borrow. So we borrowed off of my parents to buy a house. The house that we bought, we only knew the statistics in the area and like the upcoming, like they, they were building an expanding to the Honda center there, they were going to like add another car. So it would add another million jobs and blah, 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 blah. So we're like, okay, this is a great place to, to buy. We bought the house and went to see the neighborhood the next day. So I already knew we Seriously? were, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I already knew we were, we were able to take that, that plunge, but we didn't know we had no experience when we lived there. There was uh, an incredible real estate guy that lived near us. Uh, his name was Bridge. And um, he introduced us to Scott McGilvery. And Scott's like, okay, come over to Nottawasaga and blah, 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 blah. We're going to have this seminar. We'll talk to you. So we go to the seminar. We, 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 it's, it was free. And yeah. <laughs> they want to grab us to go to another one. And we're like, yeah. Oh. So I'm like, okay, this is a couple thousands of dollars. And we're like, no. So he, Scott comes up to us and says, how did you like the show? Because again, he's friends with our friend. So it's a little bit different. We're not a stranger. And he offers us, instead of $1,000 each, he offers us $500 for me and my wife to go to a three-day weekend. So we're like, you know what? What do we have to lose? It's only $500. So we go down town toronto to eaton center and honestly it, I, I guess it was Keyspire or something like that um they threw a lot of information at us a lot of the information was good but the person that was throwing at us was exactly what you were talking about about he he sells 150 houses a year that he doesn't want. So he wouldn't tell you how many doors he has, but he's like, I sell 150 doors a year. <laughs> and it's just like, and the whole time his wife was, or his girlfriend was part of that organization. And he's talking to my wife and I'm just like, this, this is just awkward. This is just awkward. So I didn't appreciate that. But then we learned one thing from that is you can borrow money and flip into houses and make a profit from this. So a lot of the information that was useful, we kept and we flipped the house into um, our Can current house. Can you go house. a little closer to the mic there, Glenn? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, thanks. And we flipped the house into our current house that we're trying to rent out. And then we got stagnant. And that brings us to Alberta. We were at our current house. We were talking about flipping that one and we got comfortable and we didn't move. Our debt went up and we were stuck. So we took, we're like, how are we going to start this real estate business? 
well, the best way is take jobs that pay for our room and board. So where are we going to take these jobs? We're looking all over Ontario. We were looking at Newfoundland. We even went to, um, where do we go there? Windsor. We went to Windsor because we were thinking of working all across the border, making more money and bringing it into Canada. And <clears throat> Edmonton, Calgary kept appearing for like buying houses. So we, we moved here. We both got jobs. We live rent free. So now we eliminated what you were talking about is um, the bad debt of your own mortgage. And so we have someone, I'm flying into Toronto on Monday to meet with our contractor. We're getting the floors done. And uh, some of the questions I've been asking were obviously in related to that place. So we're painting, repainting all the bathrooms and the bedrooms, getting the, the floors upstairs done with laminate and because uh, the carpets are ruined for my children and <clears throat> we'll have that hopefully rented in january well you know what we're gonna have that rented in january we're gonna just do that that's 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 the right attitude yeah right there. yeah and um then we already that wonderful real estate guy bridge he has a one guy up here that uh does real estate uh, i'm not sure his name yet but He's going to connect us with him. And if he's anything like the quality that we got from him, we'll be happy. And we, we know what we're looking for up here, but we're going to probably late February, early March, look at buying our first property in uh, Edmonton. That's awesome. So we're I, um, uh, make, sh make sure to keep coming in live and asking questions because um, I, <sighs> Edmonton is very easy. I mean, you can just buy a, I think affordability is, is probably what most people look at. They look at, Oh, look how cheap you can get it for. But, um, making sure that you buy the right property, mm -hmm. um, that has the right rents, has the right tenant profile. And that's, that's where I, I, I hate seeing people just <clears throat> look at the price and then buying the first one. And then, cause everybody says their first one is like the worst. It was a bad idea. I should have never done that. I wish I wouldn't have. Right. So, feel free to keep asking questions as you get a little more comfortable with the city, you'll start to get to notice, you know, where most people are buying them, you know, what types of properties make sense in the city. Um, especially right now with the higher interest rates, um, you gotta be a little strategic I find, um, because what everyone's been doing for the last 10 years isn't, uh, necessarily what I would recommend right now. I think that um, we're kind of, uh, it, we're in such a low, um, we're in such, such a buyer's market right now that I feel like it's better to, to buy up properties that I think will, that will go up in value, which is just not something Wayne says. Um, but it's, I feel like you should be setting yourself up for that um, as, as an opportunity, not to say a guarantee, but as an opportunity. And um, yeah, that, that, I'll leave it at that. Um, I don't want to dive too far into that today, but I think that's fantastic I, that you're, um, that you made the jump, you know, all the way across the country to, to better yourself and your family. And I think it's, I think it's freaking amazing. I, I, when you first told me that, I thought it was so cool. So cool. yeah, we're, we're just, you know what, um, me and my wife are a team. And like, I think that's like the biggest thing we respect from listening to you. I I'm a no bullshit guy. 
and your 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 information is is all the facts with all all the crap and i just i'm, gonna put, I'm getting that on, i'm getting that on a t-shirt <laughs> <laughs> and i appreciate it um my phone might cut out now so i'll save you because i'm driving my wife to u of a to work mm-hmm. and we lost them I think I lost you. Yeah, I lost. That was a good enough spot to end, though. I appreciate uh, all those nice things. Um, yeah, keep an eye, keep an eye on Glenn. He's, uh, I think he's going to do some really good. You know, <clears throat> I I know that he's going to succeed because he's willing to put in the work, right? And, and that's one of the, the things that I look for. Um, not what I look for, but like I get lots of people that reach out to me on a daily basis, you know, asking for free mentorship, asking for free coaching. Hey, do you mind answering this question? Those types of things. And I will not lie to you. I, I size everyone up and I measure everyone up to see what is this the type of person that's going to use this information and actually do something with it. Because if I'm going to take time out of my day, energy out of my day, to answer stuff for free, to take a phone call, to, you know, meet someone for a coffee or something like that. And please don't take offense to this if I, if I haven't, if I said no. And that doesn't mean that necessarily I think that you're not successful or you're not going to be successful. But because I don't, I don't go out for coffee with anyone. I don't. I, I, I don't do free coaching calls. Um rarely, rarely, unless it's like something, some, I know that that person needs it. Um, I don't do that type of stuff, but I do, I do size people up and I measure them by, by their, what's the word? Uh, By the likelihood of them actually reaching the goals that they say that they have. And a lot of people, you know, aren't willing to do one little thing to get started. And Glenn decides to pick up his family, find new jobs in a different province, pick up his family and move them over here for a better opportunity. And that right there just shows me that, like, if if he's willing to do that, which is one of the most difficult things to do, two, two of the most difficult things to do moving your family and also leaving your job without knowing what the new job is going to be like. Right. Those are two of the most difficult things that people like have trouble doing. He did it right out of the gate without any assurance whatsoever. So think about that today. When, 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 when you're wondering why you haven't gotten far enough or you haven't moved the needle at all lately, have you done anything hard lately? <laughs> I know it sounds really simple, but it's the truth. Have you done anything difficult lately? Have you stepped outside of your comfort zone lately? Right? Have you made a phone call that you didn't know what the outcome was going to be? And there were a lot of risks in that phone call? Of someone thinking less of you? 
Have you quit your job and got a new job that makes more sense, that gives you more time in order to be able to build your real estate business? Right? Your ability to, to make those hard decisions and actually follow through with them are what are, are gonna how are, are what are gonna determine whether you succeed or not. It's plain and simple. The ability to recognize an opportunity to make a fast decision and to execute on it. If you sit on it for a week, two weeks, let it go, revisit it in three months. If that's if that's your skill set, if that's what you're working with, it's not going to work. Because if you can't do that right now, I promise you, you will not be able to do the hard things that need to be done when you're an entrepreneur. Or or when you have five properties or when you have 10 properties. I'm not just saying like, you know, if you want to be a big, big real estate investor, you know, full time. No, I'm just saying in general, like if you have five properties, it is freaking hard. And there's a lot of difficult things you have to do. Um, let's forget about the people who who got 100 properties in the early 2000s and, and, and also the people who have 100 properties in Ontario because all their properties tripled in value in four years. Let's forget about those people for just for a second. And let's talk about the people who have been investing in Alberta for the last 15 years. I'm going to say 10 years. No, I'm going to say 15 years. Those people with 15 properties are, in my opinion, more successful than than the people in Ontario who have 100. Because they built their portfolio in a stagnant market while mortgage financing rules are consistently getting harder and harder and harder. And while everybody's scared through the pandemic, through the oil prices going up, through all the different stuff that's been going on, interest rates, et cetera, et cetera. So I just want to remind people that, you know, kind of like, what Glenn was saying, like the people up on stage and a lot of those people, they've been in the game for 20 plus years. Um, don't look at their success and try and, you know, compare yourself to them. Um, because today, right now, it is very hard to get five properties. It is very hard to get five properties in your portfolio. And anyone who does, I'm extremely proud of them. Because if you can do it like this, hell, if you ever have a boom where your properties go up in value or interest rates ever go down again and mortgage rules start to loosen up, I swear to God, those people right there, those people are going to do the best because they were able to build a portfolio when it was hard. So um, I don't exactly remember how I was going down that rabbit hole, but I just I just want to remind people that uh, if, if you're feeling, if, <laughs> if you're feeling, uh, um, like you're not really moving that fast. You are moving. You are moving very fast for today's expectations or today's rules. Um, but back to my original point, if you want to get to those five properties, it's not going to be easy. And you are going to have to do difficult things. And you are going to have to go talk to joint venture partners. And you are going to have to go and bring a deal to a private lender and not know what they're going to think about you. Right? And you got to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And if you're not, then try and figure out what needs thing you need to spend today and figure out what needs to be done. Not next week, not two weeks from now, not three months from now. Today, today, figure it out. Why am I such a chicken shit? 
I'm not calling you a chicken shit. I'm just saying you should be calling yourself a chicken shit. Understand what I'm saying? I'm not pointing my finger at you. I think that you, you don't, oh God, Gabby would kill me if I said this, but you're not hard enough on yourself. I know, I know the, the expectation is, is we're supposed to say, don't be so hard on yourself. You know, you're great. You are great. But I think that you are greater as well. You have way more, way more in the tank that you are not accessing. I think that a lot of us should be much harder on ourselves. I am very hard on myself because I am a lazy chicken shit a lot of times. I speak. I tell people to do it and then I look at them like, Wayne, how can you, how do you say that when, when you, when you literally just avoided that email for three days? I do it too. We're all human. We don't like doing things that make us uncomfortable. (laughs) Right? I think it's necessary to be hard on ourselves because no one else is going to do it for us. No one else is going to call you out on your shit. No one else, unless of course you got an accountability partner, but that accountability partner better be fucking good. Like the type of person that will literally spit in your face. Cause you're, you, what are you doing? You little chicken shit. You said you were going to do this last week. I've never met an accountability partner. That's, that's ever been up to my expectations. Never, not once. Cause they're too afraid of what I'm going to think of them. Right. Accountability partners do work in a sense but they need to be willing to be hard on you and you need to be willing to be hard on them without worrying about what they're going to think of you about worrying of whether they're, they're, they're going to answer the phone next week when you have your next accountability call. So I say that because I think that you should be your best accountability partner. I think you should be very hard on yourself. I think that you should probably look in the mirror this morning and call yourself a chicken shit and go do something that you've been putting off for four months. If you can do that, you might actually do the thing that was important that was holding you back from actually getting to the next step. You know exactly what it is. Just like you know that donuts make you fat. (laughs) Talked about how many of you guys went and got donuts last week. It was a bad idea. It was a terrible idea. Why would you do that? You know it's not good for you, but you still do it because it feels good, right? You put off calling your, you know, that person who you know has money, who you know will probably do a joint venture with you because not doing it feels better. We have all the information that we ever need. We, you have free coaching every morning and yet you're still not making those phone calls. You're still not going to those events. You're still not telling people what it is that you want. You're still not posting a picture of yourself for goodness sake because you're afraid of what people are going to think. Be more like Glenn. Moral of the story today. Be willing to do hard things. If he's willing to do that, I know that he's willing to do just about anything else. I know that for a fact. And please don't make me a liar, Glenn. <laughs> please, please don't make me a liar. <laughs> I don't I don't like to be proven wrong. <laughs> Uh, Allison says, uh, uh, working with your spouse equals prime example of calling each other out on your bullshit every day. Uh, spouses are the worst accountability partners, though. At what cost, Allison? Oh, God. I And, and so all that being said, all of that being said, 
you can imagine that I am probably the worst and best accountability partner. And Gabby fucking hates me, hates me for it. Because I keep things super simple. There is no because, there is no, you know, uh, there's no excuses, there's no reasons. It's either you did it or you didn't do it. Why didn't you do it? You know, it's very simple stuff, very black and white. And um, I give her the same accountability that I give myself. And she fucking hates me for it. And that's kind of hard on a marriage. So it's a fun little fact for today. Everybody wants their spouse to be on board. That's a whole different thing in itself. That's a, that's a whole different journey. And, uh, and I don't have the answers to it. I'm getting there. I'm learning. I'm working on it, but I don't have the answers to it. I wish, you know, and please, for the love of God, don't ask me, how do you work with your spouse and how do you set those boundaries for accountability and business and marriage and love and stuff like that? I, as I, as I, as I continue on through this journey, I realize that I think it's a terrible idea, but also it's necessary. It's a cost of becoming successful and living the life that you want to live. That is something I've learned is that it's not great. And unless you're a hundred percent in on this journey and reaching the life that you want to live, unless you're a hundred percent in, don't do it. If you are a hundred percent in, then just understand the costs that come with it. There is a cost to it and it may affect your relationship in the short term. But if you're both on the same page and you know why you're doing it and you love each other enough and you, and you, you, you want that life, that's going to be so much better. Uh, you will endure it. And, um, that's kind of where we're at. So she hates my guts. Um, but, uh, but we can both see why we're doing it. And, uh, and celebrating your wins along the way is, is very important as well. Taking a step, a second, just to take a step aside and, and go and have like a nice meal or shouldn't always be food. Even just a nice moment, a nice little, you know, we have a little thing. We do a little fist bump thing. It's just a simple little thing. When we do something hard or when we achieve something, we give ourselves a little fist bump. That's about it. But it's just this little thing that we do that's just almost like a split second. And we just remind ourselves of why we're doing it. Um, it could be a high five. It could be a slap, slap on the butt, whatever. You know what I mean? It could be a secret handshake. <laughs> something. Find something. You know what I mean? Don't always make it about food because if you're like me and you eat tacos every time you succeed, you're going to, you're going to start to notice it. Um, <laughs> um, f find something for you, for you and your significant other. Um, I went, definitely went down that rabbit hole. Garrett says, uh, Jackie hates my face on a daily basis. She keeps sticking around though. So it can't be that bad. Uh, <laughs> either can't be that bad or she's just willing to endure it. Uh, which is a good thing, which is a good thing. And I think that after the Saturday, Garrett, after we do the uh, building your roadmap workshop um, in the master's program there, um, I have a feeling that you guys are going to have a, a much better understanding. And I know that she's very, very excited for it this Saturday. Um, yeah, that, that, that exercise, that workshop is 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 the is the foundation of which REI Masters mentorship is built off of. Very, very, very important. 
um, it's it's all about building your target and building a map in order to get to your target. So that right there, if if you both can understand what the target is, what the outcome is, what the life it is that you want, and you have a map on how to get there, so that you can take action item action steps every single day in order to get towards it, um, it make it, it makes the endurance that much easier for the relationship. Okay. I'm going to get back to that private lending question. Um, this, this episode actually flew by. And somehow I finally caught my breath. <clears throat> and I've almost got through my coffee. Thank you to Glenn for calling in and giving me an opportunity to take a few extra breaths and, uh, and take a couple sips of coffee. The follow-up question was from Mary. Um, and she said, I will ask the same question as Renee, but the other way around. As a private lender, what should you look for when you get a deal? When a deal gets presented to you, sorry. And what should you avoid at any cost, even if the interest rate is appealing? <clears throat> I would say, uh, I mean, the best answer is just to rewind to what I said earlier. Um, you want to make sure the numbers work. I think that you should have a general understanding of the types of deals that you lend on. So do you do bridge loans? Do you do um, fix and flip loans? Are you doing um, uh, loans for burrs? Are you doing uh, loans like a promissory note where you're just lending unsecured funds? All those things, I think you should have a really good understanding. And, and the uh, sorry, the unsecured promissory note or secured, whichever, secured or unsecured. Um, those can be for like renovation costs for someone who needs some help with renovation money. I think that you should have a really good understanding of the strategies that your, um, that your borrowers are implementing because you don't want to just, you know, take their word for it. Hey, this is a good deal. I bought it a hundred thousand dollars under, you know, market value. I'm going to do some renovations. I'm going to sell it for profit. You should be able to do the numbers as quickly or faster than them, right? So I would recommend getting some training or some coaching on those strategies so that when they present a deal to you, you can analyze it as quickly as Wayne does, let's say, for example, right? You should be able to recognize an opportunity or a deal very fast so you can give a quick answer. Because that's one of those things that like some of the larger institutions, financial institutions have that you don't. And that's experience, a team, and speed. And, you know, for my private lenders, I can send a quick text. And then I do a follow-up. They'll say, okay, yep, I'm interested. Send it in an email. I'll review it in an hour. I send it in an email. Pretty basic email. Here's the deal. Here's what I'm doing. Here's this. Here's this. Here's the supporting material. Here's the listing. I'll have an answer within the hour right? Because they can recognize an opportunity. Same thing with Calvert. Calvert, you know, they, they gave me an answer within a couple hours because they know me very well and they know that I, they know how to analyze a deal, right? So get good at analyzing deals. And, and, and if you only know fix and flips, then only lend on fix and flips. If you only know how to analyze for bridge loans, then just do bridge loans, right? Um, if you don't understand burrs and you don't have the ability to go and learn it quickly enough, then just don't lend on burrs. Plain and simple. Just just lend on what you know. 
Um, but you got to be an expert on what it is that you're lending on. So you can recognize whether it's a good deal or not. Uh, next, you're going to want to do some background check and diligence on your uh, on your borrower. So I would recommend asking around. Um, there are a lot of social media is a really great thing, but it's also it's a curse as well. Um, fake influencers, fake gurus are very common in our industry. Someone who buys one or two properties and takes some coaching program and suddenly they're a real estate coach. You know what I mean? It's, uh, I, I see too many people that are real estate coaches now and, uh, people will lend money like crazy to them because that's, that's their business card. You know, that's their LinkedIn profile. And you need to do some background checks to find out how much they've actually done and not just what they look like online or what quote unquote credentials they have. You got to do some research, make sure this person's competent. Um, there's been a lot of people in the last 12 to 24 months who have, um, who fucked up with private money. And I saw it coming. I, you think, you think I'm a no bullshit person. You should, you should see how often I bite my tongue. <laughs> you should see how often I bite my tongue because I actually, I'm actually very respectful. Um, I try not to talk about people individually, but I try and give hints to people to go and do their own research because it's all out there. It's, if you look hard enough, it's all out there. So there's a lot of people that I was like very concerned about, you know, for the past couple of years and then it happened. Um, and I can't go around being some sort of superhero with a cape telling people not to go invest with certain people or not to go and listen to those people. That's not my job. And this isn't fucking minority report either. I can't, I can't say that something's going to happen when it hasn't happened yet. So I've seen it coming. So I, I highly recommend do the same level of research and diligence that I do on the market because you're the one lending out money. See, I'm just watching. I have nothing to lose. But you as a private lender, you have a lot to lose. And I would highly recommend making sure that scroll back a little more than three swipes on their profiles. And a lot of people, they they scrape all the old data, all the old posts that say, just bought my first property and it says 2020. Just got my first JV, 2021. There's a lot of people that scrape those old posts, but for most people, they keep them back there. And if you scroll back far enough, you spend 20 minutes. It takes 20 fucking minutes. It's not a, not, not a day, 20 minutes. You will find all the information that you need. And I'd highly recommend you guys do that on real estate coaches as well. If you're thinking about taking a course or taking um, a coaching program or something like that, just make sure, please, for the love of God, do your diligence. There's a lot of money to be lost. And um, I'm not going to tell you who it is because that's not my place. But I just ask you guys to look back far enough and you'll find the information yourself. Who's real, who's not. As a private lender, it's very important because you're lending out hundreds of thousands of dollars. Hundreds of thousands of dollars. And a lot of private lenders got, I'll swear a little bit, they got fucked this year by people who are not competent. And um, it's sad. It's very, very sad. Um, there's, 
tens of millions of dollars missing this year. Tens of millions of dollars. I'm not exaggerating. This is not an exaggeration. Tens of millions of dollars missing this year. A lot of unsecured funds, a lot of private mortgages. So please, I think I think private lending is amazing. Amazing. It's low risk. I think it's great. But you got to find two, three, four, five people. And this is the key. Find two to five people who you lend to and that's it. Find five rock stars who you trust, who have experience. And lastly, the type of people that if they do fail, they'll find a solution. Because failure is, these are higher risk strategies, right? Than say like a long-term buy and hold. Long-term buy and hold is the lowest risk. But you're not going to be lending to people on long-term buy and holds. You're going to be lending to people on fix and flips, burrs, bridge loans, that kind of stuff. <clears throat> Promissory notes. Find someone who who is competent, but at the same time, you have the, have the personality and character to be able to solve a problem when they do fuck up. Not when they fuck up, when something happens, right? Are they the type of person that just says, oh, well, I guess I'm done? Or are they the type of person to say, hey, I'm going to go figure this out. Hang tight. I got this, right? If you can find two, three, four, five people, let's say five people, just like that, that's all you need. Lend to them. Because those people are probably doing more than one deal at a time anyways, right? If each of them are doing two deals at a time and they each need $300,000 each, that's $3 million you can lend out right there. Bam, five people. Don't lend to the public. Don't put it through a mortgage broker. Find three to five rock stars. And those people, you know, you like them, you take them out for, you know, they take you out for, they take you out, not you. They take you out for drinks and coffees and, and dinners and stuff like that. And it's just a really good working relationship. I have private lenders that are just like that. They don't live near me, so I don't get to take them out for coffees and stuff and, and dinners. But um, just a really great working relationship where I text them, they answer, and they can they get back to me right away. Boom. Right? That would be my recommendation is, is if you want to become a private lender, just put all of your energy when you're starting up your private lending business into finding three to five really amazing clients. And if they're already using another private lender, then fucking steal them. Because... <laughs> Because it's business. Find out, find out who they're borrowing from and, and then beat that offer. And then, you know what I mean? Make, it, make yourself irresistible, right? Become the person that they make an irresistible offer. Hey, if you lend all your money, if you borrow all your money from me, I'm going to give you the, this, 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 and this. I'm going to answer you whenever you call, right? Because they're going to be your client, right? Even though they're the ones taking you out for lunch and, and, and dinners and stuff like that, they are your client, you are lending money to them. And I think that it's very important. And I think you should earn their business because if they are amazing, these are the types of people that are going to give you low risk investments and they're going to pay you. And then when they fuck up or something happens, they're going to be the ones that, that step up when it's necessary. Rather than finding some young investor who says that they own a thousand multifamily units when they don't, and they've been doing deals for 10 years when they're 22. You know what I mean? There's a lot of those fast talker kids and then 30, 40 year olds as well, just completely full of shit. And you should be able to recognize the difference. But just just look around, go to networking events. 
you know, ask in the room, who's, who's the biggest player in here? Who's the one doing the most deals? Go over there and make them an irresistible offer. Hey, I'm trying to grow my private lending business. I'm looking for someone just like you who's looking to grow their flipping business. And I want to grow my lending business with you. I want you to be my guy. I want to lend all my money to you. What do you say? Right? The, the last part of this question, I'm going to wrap up the show for today. Um, and what should you avoid at any cost, even if the interest rate is appealing? Uh, the opposite of anything I just said. That would be my that would be my my advice. Don't just take people's word for it. Don't just you know look at what they post online because you know I I think that posting online is a great idea to to advertise yourself. But at the same time, it is also very easy to. There's a lot of fake it till you make it people. Uh, sure, they're looking at uh, lots of buildings. Sure, they're putting offers on lots of buildings. But how many buildings are they closing on? Right, put an offer on this house for a flip, but how many have they actually flipped? Right. So make sure that, um, you know, you ask around, you have a good conversation with them, ask them some questions that, you know, that, that would force them to be honest, right? Instead of just vague. And um, yeah, I think private lending is really, really, really amazing. It's, um, dep- it, 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 I'm going to, I'm going to say this one last thing before I end the show. I put a post out yesterday saying that um, a lot of people are doing fix and flips because Wayne and Gabby are doing fix and flips. Just because Wayne and Gabby are doing fix and flips doesn't mean everybody needs to do fix and flips. It makes sense for our business. It makes sense for our roadmap. Okay, makes sense for the money that we have that we need to that we need to invest in. We made the decision on our roadmap. We don't want any more rental properties, right? But I said, though, if I was looking for rental properties, I would be buying up tons right now because the opportunities. So don't just, you know, follow what other people are doing. I have never once, I mean, I do say that it, it was a good opportunity to be flipping this year and then things kind of changed a little bit. I think there's there's lots of opportunities in the market and they constantly change every couple months. So if I say it's a good idea, don't just assume that that's what you should do. Be a critical thinker and look at your own goals and your own portfolio and your own resources and try and figure out what's best for you. Okay. So private lending, just because I said private lending is amazing today, don't just automatically think that that's what you need to do. I think private lending is great when you have money. Okay. I think that buying rental properties is a great way to get started in real estate when you don't have any money. So it's wholesaling. Okay. To build up a portfolio, to build up net worth, to build up your capital and equity so that eventually, if you had $3 million in the bank, because you you bought all these properties, they appreciated, they paid down the mortgages, and you sold them all. You had $3 million in cash. If you lent out that $3 million in cash at 12% every year as a private lender, how much money would you make every year? $3 million at 12% interest. Letting everybody grab their calculator. $360,000 a year. $30,000 a month. Think about it. Maybe that might be your roadmap. Maybe I just gave you a really cool hot tip for today. Go and make $3 million through real estate. Become a private lender. Lend it out at 12% every year. Now you have to lend out all funds at all times in order to get 12%. So I say 12 because it's actually going to be 15 and not all of your funds are going to be out 
and being lent at all times. There will be times where it's sitting in your bank account and knocking money. But if you lent it out on average 12% per year, it'd be $30,000 a month and you don't have tenants and you only have three to five clients, three or five rock stars who do deals as their business, right? Who don't fuck up. Very low risk investments. All you need to do is every, every couple of weeks go into the lawyers and sign some documents. And to be honest, I mean, in most cases these days, because of the pandemic, you can do it online through Zoom, sign the documents and call FedEx to come pick up your package. And they deliver the, all the paperwork signed to your lawyer. Boom. See, that right there is a very, that's, that's, I love private lending for that. But you need to have money in order to be a private lender. So don't just jump into it thinking, I've got $50,000. I'm going to be a private lender now. Well, it's not, it's not worth it. It's better to take that $50,000, turn it into $3 million, and in 15, 20 years, become a private lender. So work for 15, 20 years hard, build up your portfolio, and then be passive. And that could be your 20-year goal right there. One example. But it all depends. It all depends on how much money you have, what your goals are, and everything else. So don't just, just assume that private lending is great. Private lending is great, but it might not be for you right now where you are in your journey. If I keep talking, the show's never going to end. So uh, come back tomorrow and um, it'll be a little less Wayne, a little more Gabby, and uh, it'll be a little more Tuesday. See you then. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Interested in being a guest on the show? Send us an email to info at reimorningshow.com.